Hello, I'm Hannah Kaplan, and this is the WCS Wild Audio Podcast, where you'll find reported audio stories covering the latest news and newsmakers from WCS's field sites, zoos and aquarium, and their conservation partners. We've got a great show today, so let's get to it. More and more scientists today are using environmental DNA, or eDNA, to identify species or organisms inhabiting a particular area by measuring genetic traces found in water, soil, or air. In 2019, a group of researchers, co-led by WCS's Tracy Simon, surveyed Mount Everest to explore high-elevation biodiversity there using eDNA. Now that they have begun publishing their findings, WCS Wild Audio's Nat Moss checked in with Tracy to find out what they learned. The most comprehensive single scientific expedition to Mount Everest in history. With the support of National Geographic and Rolex, the Perpetual Planet Everest Expedition brought molecular biologist Tracy Simon and her husband Anton, a National Geographic explorer, to Nepal to survey 10 ponds and streams over the course of four weeks. The project that I proposed that we thought would be the most interesting is to try and understand what is the biodiversity on the world's highest mountain, because very little is actually known about the, of all the different species that potentially live up there. The project we proposed was an environmental DNA survey to get a baseline of what organisms exist in these extreme environments. This hadn't been done for a high alpine environment before. After spending five days sampling around the Everest Base Camp, Tracy and Anton moved on to collect samples from different elevations on both the east and west sides of the Kumbu Glacier. In all, they collected 20 liters of water from sites ranging in altitude from close to 15,000 feet to over 18,000. Using a global gene bank of established DNA sequences, she and her team identified 187 taxonomic orders, an extraordinary figure. When you compare that to the total number of known global taxonomic orders, we discovered about 16% or one-sixth of global taxonomic orders just on this one mountain above 4,500 meters. Now, to put this into context, the land mass above 4,500 meters only occupies about 3% of the global land mass. It's a very, very small percent. And to find this amount of biodiversity was pretty exciting. The team had hoped to identify organisms across the entire tree of life, from kingdom and phylum down to genus and species, but that wasn't possible, as Tracy explains. In order to do eDNA analysis, it's always good to have reference DNA to compare it with. For example, if if you went swimming in a pond, you are shedding skin cells I could go and collect water and then test to see if you'd been swimming in that pond. But I couldn't necessarily test to see whether you had been in that pond unless you had uh, given me a DNA sample of yourself to then compare. And the same is true for other organisms. Well, we couldn't get down to genus and species for all the DNA sequences. The data Tracy and her team collected will now serve as a baseline for future studies of biodiversity on Mount Everest. Tracy hopes that in time, as other researchers add more samples to the global gene bank, the samples she found on this trip may be identified down to the genus and species level. As an analogy, think of a search on Ancestry.com or 23andMe that turns up 10 fourth cousins one month and another eight six months later. The new matches were possible because more people contributed their DNA samples to the database. Tracy's also interested in what she calls indicator species. 
Indicator species are species that are highly susceptible to environmental change and you can watch them to see how climate change might be impacting them. We, we see a lot of examples of that in the Andes where amphibians have expanded their range upward to the highest elevation ever recorded for amphibians, above 5,200 meters. And they're expanding their range upward because glaciers are receding, creating new ponds that allow habitat to develop. And the frogs are merely responding by going up and occupying that new habitat. And so these are all things that you could potentially measure with environmental DNA as well. While Tracy would love to do that work herself, the expedition was complicated to plan and expensive to execute. And she says the research can be picked up by others. We're the first to do an environmental DNA study across the tree of life in a high mountain environment. So I would be excited to go back and collect more data for sure, especially if, I, if we can get more funding. But I also think it's really important that we get students and pass the torch to other scientists who want to carry this research forward because it's important research. And biomonitoring is not a short-term thing. This is something you really have to invest decades into to really get an understanding of how organisms are responding to change. One thing is for sure, Environmental DNA can be a critical tool to understand how climate and other changes are impacting biodiversity at a time the United Nations suggests some one million species are at risk of extinction. The fact that we find such wide biodiversity up in areas that people normally think of very deficient in biodiversity, I think it does offer optimism, but I think with that comes the need for a lot of vigilance and a better understanding of what's happening to these species. I think using environmental DNA could be a really useful strategy to enable better monitoring, and that's needed. For WCS Wild Audio, this is Nat Moss.